0: you shop on amazon.com of course you do you can now support the midwest podcast network while doing so go to amazon.midwestpodcastnetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better that's amazon.midwestpodcastnetwork.com bookmark it today
1: Been a a kind of a feels like a recent influx of a lot of like Detroit or Michigan mentions in movies and TV shows. I feel like we've seen a lot lately, usually bad jokes about the, the poor state of Detroit. Yeah, that's been around for a long time, but I feel like more characters like being from Michigan or having some sort of weird ties to it, which is in the new guys actually.
0: There were, well, wasn't there a movie a couple weeks ago that also had like a shitty Detroit joke? Mm-hmm. I think there was
1: one in Captain America.
2: What was the other movie we watched?
3: There was one in Final Girls. I remember I was like, eh. like I like that movie a lot. But I remember going, oh, well, you didn't have to do that. I think I laughed at it. Yeah, I did. I chuckled. <laughs> but like, I remember just going, yeah, that's low. Green Room? Did
0: Green Room? haven't. it? They might mention the Detroit. really, really likely. I think so. Fucking Green Room. Under the Cherry Moon. No. <laughs> I do want, I do want see it. Yeah, yeah I think you'll dig it. Well, at, least at least it's not Detroit. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
4: <laughs> he from Detroit.
0: <laughs> well, welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. Aww. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. I'm Willie. Willie, welcome back. Yeah been a long time it has been a long time yes yes uh today we're going to talk about some follow-up to listener feedback we're going to go over some statistics from the summer movie wager willie's gonna love talk statistics. about statistics well, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan it's they're fun yeah so. statistically they are fun <laughs> yes 100 percent of the time statistics are fun so uh willie's gonna talk about keanu i am yeah and then uh we the tim and nick and i are gonna talk about uh shane black's the nice guys
3: I'm back, but I'm not fully back. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm dipping my toes in the pool. You're the daywalker of this podcast. <laughs> yes, the daywalker, yes, absolutely. You're not back in black. Can I just before we keep keep moving on? I just want to say something. Have you guys noticed the horrible recent trend of like movies being turned into TV shows? Like, like <laughs> what you mean every oh, show? Lethal no, yeah. Weapon
0: and I. There's an Uncle Buck show, guys. Uncle Buck and they just canceled. Um, they just canceled one Rush, Rush hour, hour. They just canceled Rush Hour. But you've also they got Damien. Things. Yeah, yeah. Damien, You've yeah. also got um, like Bates Motel was probably the start of that, and then there's also Fargo and Twelve Monkeys. See, those ones
3: take a concept, though. I think uh, they they take the concept more so, and these ones just feel like they're weird remakes.
0: Of well, these are the ones noticed. that would be network television, right? Like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
3: I, I'm sorry. I just want to say that Uncle Buck disturbed me to no end. I was like, I, oh, I, no. I saw
0: that and I meant to put something in the group text and I didn't yeah. say anything. So. That is
1: yeah. so weird because you know, everyone would say like, oh, well, if, if it's a like, way to market it. But like, is Uncle Buck really like a huge <laughs> selling point? Like, are, no. Are people more likely to tune in because it's called Uncle Buck or tune out because yeah. it's called Uncle Buck? I don't
0: think anybody's going to tune out. But I think the the amount of people that that would pull in is so negligible that there's no reason for it to be called I mean,
1: Unless Buck. they reanimated John Candy, I think I can effectively say I'm Do you know who plays out. Uncle Buck on the show? No. Mike Epps. <laughs> is he the one from Resident Evil? Yeah. Too. Uh, that's kind of all great. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's in. No. no, totally uh. out. Because cause I think myself and a lot of it would just go, oh, I'll just watch Uncle Buck. Yeah. Because it's really it, good. It was that. That was the most. I think that's the weirdest for me of the three of the th- of Rush Hour, Lethal Weapon. And See, but Uncle here's Buck. the
0: thing. It might the thing that might Bradley be good. The, the thing that might be good about it is that maybe it was like a show that they're like this seems good but we need something more, and then they were like let's throw Uncle Buck on it. So maybe it's dumb that it's associated with Uncle Buck, but maybe it will actually be a good show. It looks maybe like a... maybe it will bring more to. But I don't know. It looks like a remake of the movie. That's what weirded me out. The same with The Lethal Weapon. Well, that, that's, I think the pilot probably <laughs> we is. We don't need yeah. to discuss The Lethal Weapon. Training. The pilot is probably, this is <laughs> this is Uncle Buck. Yeah. But the idea of Uncle Buck itself is so, like, limited to that one movie yeah. that to see where it goes from there, I would be kind of intrigued, but it's not. I'm not chomping at the bit. It's to watch not a choice. Shows. Yeah.
3: It's really weird. But, okay. I'm sorry. I derailed this, but... <laughs> It's
2: really bugging me. Derailed the new television show based on Jennifer, <laughs> <Anderson>. Bowen, Jennifer <laughs> <laughs> and Rizzo. Aren't uh, uh, and the Jizzo? I believe in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't they both? Who's that? The Rizza and the Jizza? I GZA? think it's just the GZA. Okay. Maybe Method Man? I don't think there's two members of the Wu Tang no, Clan. No, just yeah. the one Probably member. Not. Yeah, and Clive Owen.
3: Well, if yeah, you, you is haven't. Is he in, it? in yeah. the Wu Tang Clan? Um, I think they wanted to make him an honorary member, but he was just a little too British for them.
0: Well, if you haven't tuned out yet and you want to tell us <laughs> how, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can let us know. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous 179 plus bonus episodes with full show notes, so you can skip over the terry and other things you don't want to hear. Uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Go there and you can shop on Amazon. Part of your money will come to us. And there is now a support store on MidwestFilmNerds.com as well. You can go there to buy your Midwest Podcast Network apparel. And uh, and donate to the show as well. Um, other housekeeping. Mm-hmm. We have a new podcast on the Midwest Podcast Network. Yeah. It's called Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. It's now live on Stitcher, iTunes, and the Google Play Music Store. So go check it out there. We are recapping uh, Preacher after every new episode. So we're anticipating about... 10 to 11, maybe 12. Epi- There's 10 episodes of the show. We might do like a post-season wrap-up. Uh, But hopefully Preacher will take off and hopefully our show will take off. And, you know, we'll have more.
3: For those that aren't familiar with Preacher at all, can one of you two maybe give a little bit of like a... Just a brief synopsis about what... Just in case somebody's like, I have no yeah. idea what this show's about. Go so download our primer episode. Yeah, we
0: have a primer episode on, <laughs> on the show. Even then, we didn't really talk about what Preacher was. So that's funny. But... uh <laughs> Did you guys talk about Primer? Yes. <laughs> it is on Netflix now,
1: by the way.
2: Primer? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Primer's good. Um, watch Primer
4: too.
0: Preacher is based off of Garth Ennis' comic book. It was a sixty six issue comic book. Uh has to do with a uh a preacher in a small town who receives some kind of divine power and then things happen. Mm-hmm. And uh and the show seems to be following suit in the pilot, which which aired this past Sunday. So please go check out AMC's Preacher and then listen to Gone to Texas. Let us know what you think of the show and give us some feedback as well. Um there's a new Midwest Game nerds out. We talk about Doom and Uncharted Four, so go check that out. That came out this past Monday as well. And that's about it. So we had Frame Friday this past week. Um the winner I, I it was twenty two jump street, of course, oh, yeah. courtesy of Tim. And uh, it's the frame of the scene where they're tripping on drugs and Jonah Hill is in hell and Channing Tatum is in heaven, pretty much. And um, so David Steele named the movie. Um, Gordon Ristovsky named the directors. And then also we had a few other people chime in with more information. You wrote in saying that Jonah Hill wanted to use a Nickelback song, but the band wouldn't allow it. <laughs> And then uh, Alistair said that scene was the undoubted highlight of the film. Too few, few movies do drugged up dream sequences these days. And so, there you go. But, uh, yeah, speaking... That's one of the best drug sequences. Oh, it's really Well, good. even the one the one in the first movie is yeah. fantastic. So, apparently, Phil Lord and Chris Miller just
1: need to do drug movies. They get drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, They'll do that Fear and Loathing TV series. Yeah. Be helmed by them.
0: Uh... Speaking of Gordon, Gordon wrote in a couple weeks ago with an article that was on tasteofcinema.com, the 10 best horror movies of the 2010s so far, and when he sent that in, Tim and Willie decided that they would do some top 10s as well. So, guys, who wants to go first?
3: Tim, kick it off, man. Okay. Do we, do we want to kick it off with number 10, or do you want to do some some honorable mentions or do those after? What do you think?
2: Um, I'm, I'll list off my honorable mentions first. First, I want to say, I don't know if I said it last time, but... I think this top 10 list is, like, I made this top 10 list, and I went, oh, these are good movies. Like, Mm -hmm. I like all these. And I think sometimes, because I know he was maybe a little bit more down on the top 10 of the 2010s, if I remember. Somebody was. Maybe the writer of the article. But I think we need to remember that not everything released in the 80s was grade A material, too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's some garbage. And I think once we get further away from it, with some context, the 90s were pretty rough. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, um, yeah. but this is—I think this was, was that when
0: Halloween Three: Season of the Witch came out.
3: That was—that'd that, be the eighties. So the eighties, okay. Yeah, that's a high point. All right. <laughs> that's a watermark.
0: Was right that there. when the Hellraiser with Paul Rudd came out.
2: That was. No, oh, that was Halloween. Halloween with Paul, with Paul Rudd here oh, in the nineties. Hellraiser with Adam Scott came out in the nineties. Okay, so there I you apologize. go. So there you go.
0: It's been a long time since we did a fight the franchise. My brain isn't in shape anymore. That, uh, real quick, that that's in the works. Okay, good. The next one, good to know.
3: We're we're getting back. We're getting back on the horse here. So. All right. Yeah.
2: Maybe so. a hint.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to think of the movies that movie we're doing. I'm, I'm going. Pumpkinhead rides a horse, doesn't he? Oh,
2: he does. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't he on the cover?
3: Oh my God, That'd be, uh, does he? I think he does. Oh, no, he's gangly. I don't anyway,
0: think he could fit a honorable mentions. I
2: thought he did on one of the covers. Um, honorable mentions, Hobo with a Shotgun, The Baba Duke, mm. Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is this really cool, like, kind of, like, experimental, I guess, tarot film, it's really cool, uh, Detention, which is awesome, Barbarian Sound Studio, starring Toby Jones, my man, uh, You're Next, Lords of Salem, baby, no joke, <laughs> and then The Woman, the Lucky McKee movie, which, um, a woman came in, Oh. About the woman, and <laughs> and she's like to the video store where I worked for a little bit, and she's like, w- "Do you recommend anything?" And I kind of knew her taste. And I'm like, "Yeah, the woman." And she goes, "What? That was my number two movie of last year." And I go, "What?" I go, "You're awesome." And she, go- she goes, "Oh, you don't want to hear about that." I'm like, "Yes, I do. Tell me your entire top ten.
3: <laughs> Tell me right now. Did yeah. she know him like right out of the gate? Like,
2: um, no.
3: Okay.
2: Now she's like, um, "Were the rest
1: of them all disappointing?"
2: What's that? No, it was it was all yeah. I do not remember, I just remember the woman Was Little Man on the list? (laughs) Little Man was not on the list
0: (laughs) Sky boss on the
2: best day ever (laughs) So yeah, that's my honorable mentions
3: Um, My honorable mentions, Black Death Um, We need to talk about Kevin Uh, The Divide, The Collection Um, Krampus Uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil I Saw the Devil, Paranormal Activity 3 and The Kill List, I
0: liked all those movies quite a Krampus
2: Paranormal Activity 3
3: I like that movie. A lot. The only
0: too. movie I saw on that list was Tucker and Dale, maybe and Krampus. You seen you've seen Krampus? Yeah. Um, you should see some of the other ones. There's some really good. St- I love Tucker and Dale, though. Um,
3: we need to talk about Kevin. Is
2: woo?
3: Yeah. It's rough. was
2: who was the woman in
3: that? Uh, it is um Tilda Swinton. Oh, yep. yeah. And John, yeah, yeah. Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley. Uh, yeah. Tilda
0: Swinton in the Flash. Yes, the 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 Flash. Ezra Miller. Yep. Oh. Good. It's
3: it's really good. So, all right. Okay. So, number ten. the lists.
2: Number 10. The first James Wan movie on here. Insidious Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. I actually like the second one better than the first one. I think the second one's awesome and weird and, like, such a great direction for the series.
3: Number 10, the Fright Night remake. Super surprising, but I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. David Tennant's awesome in it. Yeah.
2: Number 9, Black Death. Somebody gets killed in it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Number nine, the, another remake, actually, uh, Maniac with Elijah Wood. Oh, Maniac. It's Maniac. so crazy. I will never watch it again.
0: I own two <laughs> copies of that soundtrack on vinyl. It's really good. Have uh, you listened to it? No. Dude, oh, listen dude, to put it. Put one on, man. I haven't, s- side note, for everybody who knows I have a billion Mondo vinyls, I have not listened to a single one it's of cat them. cat in the brain copies Can in the brain? Yeah, that's the one. I've no, not really. But you seriously bust the, me out, dude. The collector in me is like, I don't want to degrade these, so then I want to go and buy a third copy, and then I'm like, I'm ridiculous.
1: The and collector shouldn't be allowed to spend money? Yeah. Are you the collector? The, the
0: the collector is a movie about me dying because of the mental torment I put myself. <laughs> I meant Benicio
3: del Toro collector. Oh, that guy too. <laughs> Just remember that that occasionally they want to be played.
0: Yeah, I know. My house will eventually explode, much like uh, the collector's uh, abode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure.
3: I think we're talking about a different collector right now.
0: We we were going back and
2: forth. (laughs) I cannot figure out which collector we're talking about. Anyway,
0: I'm sorry. (laughs)
2: All right, um, number eight. John dies at the end. Mm. Don Coscarelli, a phantasm. The book's pretty good too. Um, I can't remember. David Wong is the book, and there's a sequel out as well. So used to write for Cracked.
3: Uh, Number eight, Frozen, not the Disney movie, Um, the Adam Green movie. That has a, it was, it was 2010, I think. I was like really surprised. Um, That has a death scene in it that really messed me up. Like it really like hurt me and like, uh, anyway.
2: (laughs) Number seven for me is Kill List. It's awesome and creepy.
3: Um, Number seven for me is The Conjuring. It's it's amazing. I think we all can agree on that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It might be James Wan's best Mm -hmm. so
0: far. Got the Conjuring two coming out this summer.
3: Yeah, I'm not super psyched about it. I'm not gonna lie; those trailers are doing nothing for me. But I don't think the trailers for the Conjuring did a bunch for me either. So
2: I don't know. That oh, man wasn't the first trailer for the Conjuring like a scene from the movie. It was the oh, it was the knock knock scene. It was, a... it
3: was oh the... yeah, that was really good. That was really
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh yeah, number six is the Conjuring. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it probably should be higher.
3: Um... Um, number six, Evil Dead remake. I loved it. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it was awesome. We have an episode about it. Listen to it. Yep.
2: Number five, I had Final Girls. I thought that was, yeah, I like that a lot. You can uh, listen to our top ten from this year. Yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> hear more some about Final
0: that? Girls, talking there.
3: Um, number five, Green Room.
0: Uh, green Room's awesome. Made an impact, yeah.
4: huh?
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> Tim is recalculating.
2: I think I made this list before. Yeah, or maybe around that. That's okay. Good idea. Um, where are we? Number four. It yes. Follows. It, I liked it a lot.
0: <laughs> Follow-up. It Sees out in a... No, I'm just kidding. There's a movie called It Sees, sees yeah, coming they, out.
3: Is they it don't. related at all? No. no. Is it is yeah. that a, is that an asylum release? It should be.
2: I, we can't tell. The poster's up at the movie theater. It yeah. just kind of goes away really quickly.
3: Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, even, the, even the poster thing's a shame. <laughs> um, number four, The Final Girls. Fantastic. Loved it.
2: Number three, I Saw the Devil.
3: It's awesome. Oh, my God. That movie. <laughs> That wrecked me. <laughs> that one wrecked me too, man. Ugh. Uh, number three, It Follows. Super good.
2: Number two, Cabin in the Woods.
3: Number two for me is
2: Your Next. God,
3: I love that movie. Yeah.
2: And number one for me, My Man, Park Chan Wook, and Stoker.
4: Mm. I Whoa. love Stoker so much. <laughs> written by Wentworth
2: Miller, if I recall, from Prison Break. Yes, babe. written by Wentworth Miller. Yeah. yeah, it's really skeezy and awesome.
3: It's really uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> I yeah. Um number one for me is Cabin of the Woods. It was I love that movie. Good I enjoy that movie. That's like top in the top probably fifty of all time for me because I love it that much. So
0: Well Gordon, let us know what you thought of Tim and Willie's lists. Are we way cooler than um what was the website? Uh, <laughs> Taste, of sound. Taste of cinema. Yeah, <laughs> are we way cooler than Taste of Cinema.
2: <laughs> Consequence of Sound.
1: That's a music site, <laughs> isn't it? <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> but are you cooler than them also?
2: Yeah. No, no. Yeah, maybe. Nobody's cooler than Joshua Price Nobody's cooler than music blogs. I've learned that yeah. over the years. Pitchfork. Oh yeah. Well, oh, maybe Vice. Vice is pretty cool.
0: Vice just laid off like
1: everybody.
2: Okay. So.
0: In the I
1: wake, assume in, in the wake of documentary now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I assume there will be some Mondo documentaries about their layoffs.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for your horror lists. Uh, really quick, we can go through some summer movie wager stats. Uh, we've got 27 participants this year, breaking the uh, record by eight people, oh, wow. nice. which is beautiful. Um, we've got 28 different movies this year, which I think is a low as well. I think it's on the low side for how many different movies there are across all of the lists. Um, 16 of those movies are prequels, reboots, or remakes. Hmm. So, uh, a little, a little over half. And uh, or no, yeah. And let's see. So, number one. There's, there are three different movies that were listed as number one out of these 28 people. 27 people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you guys think they are?
2: Captain America. You got one. Finding Nemo 2. You got two. Independence Day 4. Incorrect. Independence Day 4 2. Incorrect. X-Men Apocalypse.
0: Correct. So, there are 25 out of 27 people who picked Civil War. There's one brave person who picked Finding Dory, and there's one brave person who picked X-Men Apocalypse. As the number one movie? As the number one movie of the summer. so It's interesting. Um, There are three movies that are on every ballot. What do you guys think they are?
3: Those three? Yeah. Incorrect. Oh. Okay. Well, Captain America's on every ballot. Correct. I'm going to go with X-Men on every ballot. Correct. I have some feeling somebody's like, oh, Finding Dory... uh," um,
0: Now oh, you see me too. I got a text <laughs> from that someone. Did you? That was like, oh god, I forgot Finding oh, Dory, no. but oh well, whatever. Oh, NYSM too. But no, it's not <laughs> Now You See Me 2, unfortunately.
1: The Angry Birds movie? No. Nope. Born? No. Nope.
2: What else comes out? Independence Day?
1: Nope. Tarzan? Nope. God, Tarzan comes out. That Tarzan looks so dink.
2: Warcraft?
4: No. <laughs>
2: Warcraft. That's their problem.
0: Um, Warcraft was <laughs> not that either. Ice Age? <laughs> nope. Ghostbusters? Nope. Conjuring nope. Two? Nope. Turtles Two? Nope. What else? <laughs> comes Secret out? Life of Pets? Nope. Alice Two? Nope. <laughs> Maybe you should just tell us. Suicide Squad. Uh, Suicide
2: oh. Squad's not on mine. Oh, it's a wild card.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I take in the I wild see. cards on on that on that whole thing. So, um, number two, we've got nine different movies for number two. I'm just going to tell you guys this one. Uh Finding Dory. 16 people at Finding Dory as their number two. The rest of these movies, it's either two people or one person. Two people have X-Men Apocalypse, Captain America Civil War, or the Angry Birds movie as their number two. And one person has Star Trek Beyond, Independence Day Resurgence, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Ghostbusters, and Suicide Squad as their number number two. So interesting. And then uh, finally, here we've got. Number of movies that only appear on one ballot. There are six of them. One of them doesn't come out in the summer, unfortunately, <laughs> and I don't think it was a late game switch. So I'm sorry, sir, who picked Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, but that is not coming out until oh, November. That's a bummer. Mm. But the rest of these we've got Pete's Dragon, the live action remake. Could do well. It's. I think most of these are in the dark horses category. Okay. Most of them. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings which is the animated movie that was on My Most Anticipated that's got McConaughey and a few other people in it uh, Bad Moms which has Kristen Bell and a few other people in it. There's always that weird comedy that manages to sneak up mm-hmm. There's one person who put Popstar Never Stop Stopping or Never Stop whatever it's called The, it lonely, the lonely Island movie in their, in their Dark Horses and then finally The Purge Election Year is uh is also there so it's interesting we got some some interesting uh lists here i feel like these are the i have to go through and do the math but these i think this is the because it's the least amount of movies that we've had it's also the most samey for the lists as well
3: Mm -hmm. it's gonna be very interesting to break it down at the very end of the summer like yeah Things are going to be so like...
0: I wanted to do... I wanted to try... It would take a lot more time than I had on my hands today, but I wanted to go through and average together the spot for each movie, all 28 movies, and then form the average top 10 Okay. just to kind of see and then score that one at the end of the year to see huh. if we collectively figured out what the top 10 would be,
2: because
0: <clears throat> then I would use everybody else's submissions and go partake in other ones. That's kind of cool. But yeah. I thought it was, it was pretty interesting. It might, it might be an interesting idea to take a look at. So, All right. Willie. How was Keanu?
3: I liked Keanu a lot. Yeah? Thanks for letting me go see Keanu. That was, that was very nice. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I want to see The Nice Guys. I just want to throw it out there. and I'm sure it's probably a better movie than Keanu. But yeah, but this
0: is your last opportunity to see I Keanu.
3: I had to see Keanu. I'm a sucker for cats. Everybody, this, everybody in this room knows this. Keanu
0: was directed by Peter Atencio who uh, directed a bunch of the Key and Peele TV show. Uh, He's also directing a show called Jean-Claude Van Johnson, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few other things in here as well. (laughs) And, of course, this is the Key and Peele vehicle.
3: Kind of their first, I guess, their first starring roles in a big movie. I mean, they've been been in plenty of movies before, just little cameo things here and there. It's it's pretty funny. Um, It's... (sighs) It's a little weird because it, there were literally—I was one of three people in the theater watching <laughs> this. My wife was the second, and the third was this wonderful woman who laughed at everything. <laughs> um, and did she have a cat with her? She did not. Well, unless <laughs> like, she had a really big bucket of popcorn, so she, <laughs> the cat hanging out might have been her. a cat in there. <laughs> Um, so I, I would, I, I wish I would have been able to see it with a crowd cause I know the laughs would be like, I'd laugh even harder, you know, one, because you're more comfortable because everybody else is laughing Yeah. Two because it's, you, I don't know, you just, it's that communal thing with yeah. comedies where if you watch it with other people, then it's, they, they will, they
0: will laugh at things.
1: Go on.
3: <laughs> oh my God. Here he's, this guy's still got a grudge right now.
0: <laughs> anyway. So, no, well, no, but it's a thing it, like, I think it's true, especially with comedies <laughs> in the sense that. Sometimes people will laugh at things that you don't think is funny off the bat but then when you think about it you're like, "Oh, that's why that's funny." Right. And there there's a difference.
3: I mean, I've been to comedy sometimes before where I'm like, "This is the worst." Like, and everybody thinks this is <laughs> funny and this is not funny. And it yeah. makes it it makes it more painful to get through. But um no, I I liked it a lot. I thought it was most like I've never watched an A.K. and Peele. I've seen, like, just the the, the, NCAA, the draft, the NCAA, oh, like, yeah. whatever. That's really funny. That's it. That's all I've seen. Exquisite team Bublé Schwinslow. Like, that's that's <laughs> my extent of my knowledge. But they're really funny. They have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen two comedians have chemistry like this in a long time, I don't think. Well, that's not true. I think Channing and, and Jonah Hill have really good chemistry, too. It's similar to that, actually. Um I think if I had to pick a favorite of the two, I got to go with Keegan-Michael Key because he's... I don't know. It just his sense of humor. Just There's something about him. He's kind of playing this... And I don't know. You guys can let me know. I, I, he's playing this really uptight, like very... Um you know, works his nine to five in his cubicle and like doesn't do anything dangerous and doesn't <laughs> want anything to do with it. Whereas like, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Peele's more like sit around and smoke weed and you know, I I like the the play between the two. It's been done before but it's really funny in this yeah. one. And the roles get flipped and flopped a little bit too where, yeah, I don't want to say too much but um, Method Man's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Method Man, um, it's no spoiler here but he he um, comes into possession of, of Keanu at, a, at one point and mm-hmm. that's kind of the... the the movie is trying to get keanu back from method man method man of derailed thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe maybe <laughs> maybe, perhaps uh, we can't confirm um alex is about to and uh he renames keanu uh, new jack and he's he's got a little do-rag on <laughs> keanu and a little gold chain and there's this the line i think that was the funniest to me for some reason is like jordan peele gets really intense when he sees his cat and he's like He's like, we're in the market for a gangsta pet. And I'm like, that is just so funny. <laughs> I don't know why. I just like that killed me in the theater. Um, also, there's no fantastic um, drug hallucination sequence. Oh, good. Which, I, which I, I almost wish we had segued right out of there. Because yeah. it was
0: so good. Um, there is no Method Man. Method Man is not in derailed, unfortunately.
1: Okay. <clears throat> um, is Redman? Who? Redman,
0: Redman is.
2: I don't I think so. I, think I see RZA and Exhibit. Oh
3: exhibit. oh exhibit!
0: Oh man, Engine Carlo Esposito. Well, of course, that's good.
3: Um, I was say, oh yeah, there's a really there's a really good drug kind of hallucination sequence with um, with I'm just gonna call him Key, and um, <laughs> he, his character loves George Michael as a mu- <laughs> musician. So let's just say there's a there's a really nice nice bit between yeah.
4: That's
0: pretty good. It's really good. I I heard a rumor. I'm not gonna spoil it. I heard that, the, that uh, well, it's kind of a spoiler, I, but I heard somebody voices the cat.
3: I, the cat does speak during the drug hallucination sequence, okay. yes. The cat doesn't talk throughout the movie. He's the most adorable. <laughs> like, they found the cat with the most pathetic meow, and I think they just sampled that same adorable meow the whole time, because it was so good. Like, they got it, like, fuck yeah, that's the meow, that's, that's it. That's beautiful. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, was, I don't know who
0: does the voice. Who, who, was, who, did, who did you hear it was? I heard it was Keanu. Keanu Reeves. I heard Keanu Reeves voices the cat, Keanu.
3: It actually I think it was him now that's that I'm thinking beautiful. about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, like supposedly yeah, he yeah, didn't want right. anything to do with it. And then like his sister brought the attention of the movie to him. And he was like, "Okay, I should help these guys out with whatever they want." Because he, he didn't know if it was making fun of him or what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then, when he like finally saw the trailer or something, he's like, "Okay, I need to. I, if they want me, I want to be a part of this."
3: And they don't even like acknowledge the fact that he's naming him after Keanu Reeves either, <laughs> which is really funny. Like assume? he he yeah. just mentions he mentions that he's like, "I I believe it means a cool breeze in Hawaiian." Like is what he <laughs> says, and then uh, and then also, uh, Jurn Peel makes a cat calendar with Keanu. I don't know if you guys have seen these pictures online. No. But they they released it as a promotional item for like people that went to like early screenings and stuff. Yeah. And it's what he <laughs> he plays a photographer in the movie. And what he does is he sets up little Keanu in different famous movie scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the coolest thing in the world I want to do it with my cats now. <laughs> I want to be that guy. Um, but there's an amazing there's a point break one I noticed where oh. he's, he's Keanu's in the little parachute really thing. <laughs> so yeah, that was really cool. Um, there's also a really good cameo from a famous comedic actress that i won't give away but it's insane it's like insanity like I, it's really funny and really mean but um <laughs> yeah i'll tell you guys off the record if you don't care but i won't do it for the for the listeners here okay um definitely worth checking out honestly if you like their show i think this seems like it would probably be similar to the stuff they do on their show i can't honestly say i know that for sure but they have really really good chemistry i think it's good for it's it'd be great to rent i mean you probably can't see it in theaters at this point but It'd be great for like a rental or something on demand. Um, It's fun. It's worth worth a look. You don't have to like cats. Okay. There's a cat in peril a lot, so maybe if you don't (laughs) like cats, you'll be be you'll be into that. All right. You know,
1: one of the uh, one of the recent episodes. I don't remember if it was episode two or three of uh, the MTV podcast Skill Set that I talked about previously. Um, They talk about uh, Amy Nicholson has on the woman who is the animal handler. For Keanu. It's amazing. And they it's actually really interesting because she talks about how it was actually like eight different cats because they would age out so quickly as yeah, they're filming. Wow. And they actually talk about how throughout the movie there's a lot of shootouts and like explosions and like and and like stunt rigging of like dust and shit flying through the air and how they have to go through this training process of training the cats to be okay. With these conditions, because they said that none of it's CG, that there's actually these shootouts and squibs that <laughs> shooting off, and cats are running through it. You could tell, like there's there's
3: a there's a really cool ac- ac-
1: an action sequence starring Keanu
3: in the beginning, where he's he's running around and there's like a shootout and stuff, and like you can see like the squibs going off behind right behind this cat, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I'm really nervous right now. And, know, and awesome. they
1: talk about how they the the process that they go through with each of these kittens, and it's it's kind of hilarious. It just goes to show you where like what an insane industry it is and where like money and stuff goes because they'll they'll spend all these weeks training a kitten to be used to it and then they can film with them for like, you know, a couple weeks and then they've aged out and they have to train a new kitten. I'm showing them pictures of the Keanu calendar. That's changed. Oh, no. It's like the end of uh, Best in Show when uh, the two characters take calendar photos and they put their two dogs in famous movie scenes.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I always forget the name of. of uh, I'm blanking on both of them now. John Michael Higgins is one of them, and uh, the other guy from Spinal Time. Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
3: I remember an episode I just of. That. That's it's so really awesome. funny. It's really funny. I remember an episode of the Tobolowski Files where he talked about working on one of the Beethoven movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he had he had mentioned too and it, I my guess is they have to have the cat do certain things in this movie They're, you know they have to have him jump on certain things on cue or scratch at certain things. And I remember Toblowski mentioning that on the Beethoven movie they had like a dog for each trick. Cuz they yeah. they teach a dog how to do one trick <laughs> super well, always on point, always on command. And then they like when they got that done, they shoot that dog off and bring in the other, the dog who scratches at a door, and then they bring in the yeah. dog who jumps really high, and then they like yeah. it's really funny. So I wonder if that's part of it too—is just they need different cats for different. <laughs> and some
1: sometimes they have. Uh- Dogs that they'll, they'll like all know the same tricks, but in case one of them is acting fussy or moody on set, they have a backup one that looks just like it that knows all the same tricks. So backup dogs, dog, dogs, animals don't have it any easier than you people are do. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> dog understudy. Exactly. This is my moment to shine. It's like when you see the sh- the the lists for movies of, on the IMDb trivia for like other actresses considered for this role, and they're like like swappable, yeah. <laughs> it's like interchange. They're all like little pixie brunette actresses that are hot right now, and you're like, oh, okay, that's really funny. <laughs> It
3: reminds me, for some reason, I just thought of the tiger in Detroit when they were filming that commercial over there. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't
1: know why. Did yeah, they have multiple tigers? Right so there? funny. <laughs> just the one. It's like seven tigers
0: running around. Please listen to whatever. Loosen Podcast the Packard play. Yeah, that whatever. I think that was our first cold open. That yeah, we it was. Did, so go back to that. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably like 30 episodes ago.
1: Something else. All right. <laughs> is it yeah, in the show notes? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it should be in the show notes. Keegan-Michael Key is from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He mentioned he's character in the movies from Detroit. Is so, he really? Yeah. yeah, that's great. See there you go, it ties in. And Deadpool, I just remembered, was another one of the ones where it takes place in Detroit. Well and there's a George Michael reference uh in Deadpool oh my God, as well. Does it take place in Detroit? Yeah, the, well the opening is all in Detroit. The, and the freeways and, and everything. Oh.
4: I don't
1: New that. Detroit is what they call it. Oh I think. OK, it's actually I think that that was pretty that whole opening sequence was pretty directly modeled on where Southfield and I-96 meet. It's like exactly you know what that, it looks that a that lot spot. like that. Yeah, yeah I, I think. think that, well, they came here and they shot plates all over the place. Okay. And I th- and then they re they recomposited a lot of it. I
0: just went to Midwest dot com and searched for Tiger and one episode comes up. It was episode 140. <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer First Day at Camp. And uh, that could be it. The show notes say for the first part Tim hates John Hughes films and Detroit had a tiger problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, please. It's kind of funny cuz you'd think we're talking shit about our, our local baseball team the Detroit Tigers, but that is not the case. <laughs> nope.
3: An actual tiger.
1: Yes. All right.
0: Well, and I you. don't hate
2: all John Hughes films. Yeah. That's an overgeneralization. Yeah.
1: It was clickbait, Tim. Good good work. Yeah, good thank hard. you. Uh, how's it working? Well, not very. Well. <laughs>
2: to drive away a, a band of a popular, a well-loved well, director. We,
0: we, we cut most of them off with a John Hughes retrospective, and then we got the rest of them away with, then we're with your we're just thoughts. attacking John Hughes fans. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the nice guys. Do you want to stick around till spoilers?
3: I'll, yeah, I'll hang out until you guys get into spoilers. I don't want anything spoiled. Okay, so. cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Shane Black's "The Nice Guys" the IMDb synopsis says a mis- mismatched pair of private eyes investigate the apparent suicide of a fading porn star in 1970s Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, it's not quite <laughs> even like even it's like just off of what I think, like it's not true. But anyway, <laughs> that's um, a
1: good like that's a good tagline for like a detective movie. That's literally the first clue, without giving anything else away.
0: I guess, but all right, we can talk about it in spoilers. <laughs> Anyway, the movie stars date. Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, Angry Rice, Matt Bomer, Margaret Qualley, Yaya DaCosta, Keith David, and Bo Knapp. Oh, it does oh yeah. Say. and
2: uh,
1: uh, Kim Basinger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah how does she absolutely. look? Uh,
3: totally. How, she looks good. Look, Kim looking good? Yeah. 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 All
2: right, cool. Uh, and I'm not going to derail it any further.
0: Okay. Uh, Shane Black. <laughs> we've actually reviewed all of Shane Black's directed movies on this podcast. We oh. did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as a retro review. I think it was the first retro review, mm-hmm. actually. I'm sad I missed that one. If I recall correctly. It was just
3: me and you, wasn't it, Alex? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It was our first
0: two-person episode, too. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, Iron Man 3 as well. I think we all enjoy both of those movies, at least on some level. And uh, we were excited for The Nice Guys, as you probably heard in our most anticipated. So, uh, Nick, what did you think of The Nice Guys?
1: You know, I had no time to really think too much about this since we saw it because my mind has been entirely focused on Preacher. Yeah. Um, why don't you throw it to Tim, Tim and then come back? What did him? you think I- about the nice guys?
2: <laughs> I can't stop thinking about this movie. Really? Yeah, because I didn't watch Preacher.
0: Oh, that's good. Um, no,
2: um, <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever disliked a movie that has Shane Black's involvement in it. Mm. Um, Long Kiss Goodnight isn't very good. But I actually kinda like it <laughs> um, um this is his uh this might be his bleakest and most nihilistic movie since I will say probably last boy scout which is which is pretty amazing because um, that's a gross movie yeah um and it's good um but a lot of the uh there's a lot of humor in it and it Undercuts a lot of the bleakness because this kind of deals with some heavy subject matter, um, particularly when it comes to a character's alcoholism mm, mm-hmm. that is played throughout the film. And also, I mean, it's pretty much, it reminded me a lot of Mad Men in a way, not only because it's a period piece, because it's a, a period piece about, um, alcoholism. Alcoholics, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Unremarked alcoholism. <laughs> and a, um, and pretty much the death of this country. Yeah. Um, they're both about the fall of America. And this one seems to think it happens a little later on in its history. <laughs> Some of us think it probably happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and it's just been slowly dying since. <laughs> as you can see, this is a pretty, pretty happy movie. <laughs> um, but it, it worked for me. Um, I didn't like it quite as big... It doesn't hit as well as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's an almost feel... It's not unfair to compare it to that. Kiss Kiss feels like a movie that he worked on for like years and years until he perfected yeah. the script, and it's pretty much perfect. Um, this one had a few more... It's not as witty, and some of the humor felt a little flat for me. I, and some of the characters in it felt a little bit undercooked. I wanted a little bit more of... Maybe Kim Basinger's character. I think that would have helped in a little bit more of... I definitely wanted more of uh, Keith David. Well, yeah. I always wanted more of Keith David. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Let's see. Where <laughs> was I? The script is pretty good, I would say. Um, it's pretty tight. Everything makes sense for the most part. And even the stuff that doesn't, I think, is on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more of a McGuffin in this. Um, Gosling is getting, I think, a lot of the attention and he's really funny in it but Russell Crowe was my favorite character in it and i think it's because he's he's the he's the heart of the movie in a way because he's an oaf and yeah. he's pretty stupid um but he also he recognizes right and wrong a lot of the time and it's really fun to watch him go up against this big machine knowing that he's going to fail and there's something endearing about that yeah um i liked it a lot i think it's I think it's probably in a way his most mature movie because it does a very nice job of it balances um, the big ideas he's going for. And I don't I – it's been a while since I watched some of his movies. But like Lethal Weapon isn't going for anything as big as like corporate greed or um, kind of attacking our economic system. Um, and this one kind of is. And hmm. he still balances that with um, a very human element for it. And it's also just a lot of fun. And um, it deserves a better fate than it's getting at the box office, just like yeah. all of his movies lately. So that's all right. We don't deserve him.
0: Getting beaten by uh, Angry Birds and Neighbors 2.
2: Neighbors 2. And I was mostly focused on the fact this made like $10 million. So yeah. I guess it was never going to really make any more. I just kind of hoped it would. It would a little bit. But
0: there's actually a pretty funny video that they put out as like a commercial for the movie where. I don't think it's Shane Black, but, like, a producer is yelling at Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe at, like, a press junket about how they're getting beaten by Angry Birds and Neighbors, too. Yeah. And, like, Russell Crowe and and Ryan Gosling just kind of take it in stride, and they're like, what do you want us to do? (laughs) We're not a big summer movie. Yeah. So.
2: Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's about all I'll say without spoiling a lot of it because there is some stuff in spoilers, I think, that I have written down here.
0: So. Okay, cool. Nick, do you have time to formulate?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad Tim was a downer on this one. <laughs> nice change of pace. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I thought it was awesome. I had a great time. I'm a sucker for a good good detective yarn. Yeah. And uh, I thought it really... Th- this movie took all the good parts from American Hustle and the like, one or two good parts from uh what's that other movie called mm, inherent vice and and <laughs> actually made it work it's um I want to watch that movie. this this was a lot of what what I wanted inherent vice to be like cuz it did it did have a little bit of that it was a little meandery at times and and for the first act you're kind of like okay i see there's all these different puzzle pieces but how do they fit and is anyone going to make sense of it like it, it was legitimately a bit of a head scratcher initially i was kind of like huh how are all these things connected and a lot of it was presented in such a surreal nature. Like the opening scene is so hilarious. Yeah. And I was like, is this a dream? Like when is like <laughs> yep. the, the line that caps off the opening scene is so funny. I like started laughing and the whole thing is just so crazy and over the top. And I was like, am I in the right theater? Like, am I seeing the right movie? And so I was like, how is anyone ever going to make heads or tails of this? And it's really cool to watch, kind of watch the mystery kind of come together. And it's fun as the viewer because you're you're clued into a lot of things that the characters in the movie actually n- are never aware of. Like you know some things that they straight up never find out. It's kinda sweet, I think. Uh I think everyone in it's really good. Russell Crowe feels like he is the same character from LA Confidential just thirty years later, mm-hmm. which is kind of sweet. Um because LA Confidential is great. Also has Kim Basinger. Mm-hmm. She's better in that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's uh I, I love Russell Crowe. I think he's awesome in it. And uh gosling. Tim said something about Ryan Gosling once that was so funny and I can't repeat it on the podcast but you just described his knack for playing characters who don't seem like they're like emotionally sound Yeah, and he always plays like people who, who are just like really like outcasts and in this movie he feels like the most real character I think I've ever seen him play like somebody who has actually had real life problems yeah. and has reacted in a way that most normal people would react in like something highly negative uh, but I, I liked it a lot I thought he was really good He's really funny. Uh I think the chemistry between him and Russell Crowe was funny because initially they didn't have any and then they had a lot by the end, and I yeah. thought that was really good. Uh I really, really, really like Ryan Gosling's daughter in this. And the last time Shane Black directed a movie with a child sidekick, I didn't like it. Mm. But in this movie I think it worked really well. And I like that there was a there were plenty of opportunities to cut that character out and just like regulate her to the sidelines or even just get her out of the movie. But getting her more involved in the movie I thought was a really interesting choice and for me it worked i thought it was pretty cool it's like kind of elevates the movie to like fantasy because it it gets so crazy that you're the guy will rope his like or his daughter will be involved in helping him try to solve this crazy crime where people are getting murdered left and right but i I like it i enjoyed it i was like whatever (laughs) shane black's movies always kind of have that Heightened reality to them, where some crazy, crazy stunts and stuff happen. And you're like, yeah, it's
0: nah, fantastical nah. without being like,
1: without turning into like, yeah, something that's like a superhero yarn. Yeah. Where, you, where you can't buy it anymore.
2: It yeah. helps that they take place in L.A. Yeah. Go out to L.A. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: Same with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which yes. is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really want to rewatch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang after seeing this because it's been a, it's been a few years since I watched it, and I I just thought this was was great. I think it nailed the period really well it didn't go as over the top as like american hustle but it felt pretty true and uh i don't know i think it was i think it was good i liked the music a lot i, I really liked everything there was some really awesome cinematography and had some great shots keith david is, is beautiful like you said mm-hmm. well you said or it reminded me you should watch cloud atlas because it has like five keith oh, davids seen, in it oh i've oh, seen cloud there's atlas. a lot of keith davids
2: i like cloud atlas <laughs> so do i
1: alex has to watch it i well i saw it you did
0: i fell asleep in the theater but oh, yeah. i saw it well I did. You fell like asleep it. in you the theater. To watch it again. I fell asleep in the theater at like two p.m. <laughs> it was two p.m. and I fell asleep in the theater. <laughs> I was maybe one of three people in the theater on opening weekend and fell asleep. In the
1: theater. So maybe the nice guys are doing a little bit better in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would like to rewatch Cloud Island. I'm sure so. there were other things about this movie that I really liked. I just haven't had time to really think about. But I think it just felt it moved along really well for me. I was mm-hmm. I was really engaged the whole time, and I thought. <clears throat> Shane Black has a he's really he's really gifted in the way that he can cram all of his characters with so many quirky character traits that in, in, in another movie with a lesser screenwriter you would probably would be like oh my god these characters are exhausting like how many weird how many more weird silly quirky traits can they have but in this movie I was like totally along for it all mm-hmm. the time I was like oh that's funny too and just little one off sight gags and little things that the characters had in their homes or the way they acted that were just funny. Like quick throwaway things that didn't need to be in the movie, but they were just a little dash of like, you know, paprika or something to spice it up. (laughs) So I I liked it. Um, I'm sure some more will come to my mind. But yeah, overall, I'm really glad we went and saw it and reviewed it. And I'm I'm actually really excited to watch it again. Russell Crowe was great. I'm glad Tim went right for that. Yeah. He needs another... I one of those guys I want to keep seeing make like great movies. I typically
0: don't like Russell Crowe that much. Or maybe it's not that I don't like him that much, but I don't think that I'm going to like Russell Crowe. And typically, I think I end up liking him. Right. But I always forget
1: it. He's kind of like... He's kind of like got that Tom Hanks thing where you're like, oh, Russell Crowe again. And you think... Yeah, like a little bit. You think you're just going to stare at him the whole movie and go, there's Russell Crowe walking around with a gun or something. But he he manages to to kind of always... Get get under the skin of that character he's gotta play and bring a little something to it. Yeah. Make him a little bit different than just grumpy Russell Crowe. Um I
2: also like Russell Crowe because he seems like an actor that like only acts so he can play his music. Like yeah. that's like his like his real passion is his band. So
0: like Devin just, Skillian? the, the acting <laughs> acting is his
1: daily slog.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so then that he gets he to pays the bills. <laughs>
2: then he gets to play in some L.A. dive bar, or some Australian dive bar.
1: You said that. You said who? Which musician did you say? Or like musician? It was before we before Money Monster started. You made a
4: reference. Yeah, to Money
0: Monster. Uh, I think there was a trailer that for a movie. That is called Hell or High Water, and I okay. was like, I hope the theme song is David Duchovny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that's I, right. I don't think it is. That's right. But I hope so. Otherwise, missed opportunity there for everybody involved. But uh, mostly Duchovny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, back to the nice guys. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Uh, it, it, but as Tim said, I think, kiss, like, it's so hard for me to like forget how awesome kiss kiss bang bang was that this does feel like a little bit of a step back and i and it's interesting as you were talking about it tim i was thinking well maybe kiss kiss bang bang is kind of overwritten and that might be kind of like the robert downey jr effect and the fast talking and the very witty like language that it doesn't really sound real at all but that's kind of the fantastical thing that was talking about as well mm-hmm. This movie is a much more muted and metered uh, uh, vision of that, I think, and I think that's interesting, and it definitely has a place. But the dynamic between Harry and Gay Perry is so beautiful, and I feel like um, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe never quite reach that height. So, so my seeing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang kind of hampers my experience with this movie, and you have to take that in a, in a, with a grain of salt. Um, That's interesting. What?
1: Oh, God. What? Keep going. No, please. (laughs) I'm dying to hear your review.
0: That that was my review. I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. But no, um, I don't, there's really not that much more to say other than what you guys have already said. There were a lot of things that I really loved. There was nothing that I really didn't like. Um, there was Bee Gees in this movie and that's always a plus. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there was, uh, that's fantastic.
2: Yeah. I wasn't a fan of Kim Basinger. This movie I thought she was bad,
0: I think there's so little of her in it that it didn't she didn't really bother me that much, but uh, yeah, I could see how somebody else would like I, really i usually the,
2: kind of I usually like Kim Basinger, yeah, and in this one she was just kind of she seemed to sleep, and yeah, it, it was really low energy, yeah, yeah, I don't know,
1: yeah recovering from that, that, the, that, yeah, that right.
2: Botox. <laughs> yeah.
0: she couldn't move that much of her face, but uh,
1: <laughs> just cast Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> <laughs>
2: God, that would have been good, <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge. I think I, Coolidge. Was the past
1: two weeks, you've just recast like one of the integral characters, like with Money Monster. We're like, it should be Michael Keaton and not George Clooney. <laughs> if it had yeah. been Jennifer Coolidge, I would have laughed instantly. And I, you know what? It might have been better actually. <laughs> yeah. And in t- spoilers, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. I think.
0: Um, but yeah, I don't really. I, I I liked the pacing of the movie. I thought it moved at, at a very nice clip um which I think is something that detective movies can get bogged down on especially with the meandering that can go on.
1: It's a, it's a little bit slow in the first act I think. I yeah. think you have to really enjoy that kind of plotting around. Like Ryan, I think it's Ryan Gosling who has the line where he says two days of detective work is nothing. He's like that's not enough to do anything. You're just that's two days of driving around knocking on doors talking to assholes and then going home. Yeah. And then starting over the next day. And that's kind of the way a lot of them start. You know, yeah. you just kind of have somebody stumbling around in the dark looking for which literally happens in this movie. Uh, so I, I think in a way it did kind of feel like a, a tiny bit like a love letter to that kind of thing. Like Shane yeah. Black clearly loves that genre and he weaves that, a lot of those tropes into a lot of his movies. And this mm-hmm. movie went probably the furthest, especially with the casting of like noteworthy, like Russell Crowe and Kim Basinger pulling them both who have been in LA confidential. Um, might've been an accident. Maybe not.
0: Yeah. But no, I think we should probably just hop in Spoiler. spoilers at this point. So yeah. We'll be right back in spoiler Terry for the nice guy,
1: the new guy. Bye, With DJ Qualls. Bye,
0: Willie.
4: Right now, yeah.
0: So Nick, Nick, uh, welcome to spoiler Terry for the nice guys, Nick. Said it was interesting that I let Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh, cloud my 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 uh, experience with uh, the nice guys.
1: Yeah, especially because the two aren't related in any way, other than they're directed by the same guy. But that's it. Um, I mean, I guess they fall into the same genre, kind of. But I, I've talked about how, you know, people talk about the Star Wars prequels and how awful they are. And you, you have said, like, you still have the original trilogy. It's still there. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be impacted in any way by the prequels. But for a lot of people, they can't help. But I remember after I saw all three Star Wars prequels and the next time I watched A New Hope, I was like just staring at Darth Vader going, "See, not, I think, it's not the same. I
0: think these are two different arguments because in that way, you are arguing that the prequels aren't affecting my vision of the originals, which I agree. No, that's, this movie that's,
1: that's what you think. I think they do. Yeah. I think that the
0: So so in in a sense by me saying that kiss kiss bang bang affected the nice guys for me, you're saying that that's me holding the same position that
1: I, I think you're reinforcing what I'm what I'm saying.
0: See, I think it's different because this isn't the nice guys isn't retroactively making kiss kiss bang bang bad. I'm saying something that came before the nice guys from the same director was better in my opinion I think, I think it's like I've seen this before and it was done better and I had the same opinion about Star Wars I've seen Star Wars 4, 5, and 6 and Star Wars 1, 2, and 3 have been done before and better those are consistent to me I'm not saying that Star Wars 1, 2, and 3 retroactively makes 4, 5, and 6 bad in the same sense that i'm I'm not saying that the nice guys retroactively makes kiss kiss bang bang bad
1: I think I would agree with you if if we weren't drawing all the parallels between the two movies. like if you're just saying like this is an artist getting worse over time, that's one thing. but I think that because you you're you're, ty- you're almost treating the two as though they're they're sequels to each other or they're like they're related in some way.
0: I, I mean I, I think, see I see what you're saying but I I, I,
1: I I know for a fact in the past when we've argued this you have taken the the hard line of like no, Oh no the hard
0: have, I I will absolutely say the hard line that Star Wars 1 2 and 3 well, no, doesn't no, not make just 4 that. 5 and I 6 mean, bad for me.
1: Uh we did it with with Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul also. Yeah. And you've just said like one work shouldn't impact the other. I don't mm-hmm. it, I don't think it matters to me what chronology the works came in. You know if whether one came before and the other came after doesn't really matter to me. I don't think that I, I think that an uh, the way an artist makes one work might impact your judgment of the other. That's all I'm saying.
0: So you're saying that it's not like reversible, basically. Whereas,
1: I mean, I think it goes either way. Yeah, I don't. Say, I don't think you're that, saying it's it,
0: it's not it's not or that it is reversible. Whereas I like it. To me, the better call Saul Breaking Bad thing was that Breaking Bad will always stand as good.
1: Yes, but if. Sure, I know what you're saying.
0: But your argument is that if Better Call Saul was bad, that that would tarnish Breaking Bad.
1: In a way, yeah, I think it would. It would taint the pedigree, sort of, that uh, that 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 creative team and and that universe has. Okay. So we're we're kind of we're kind of in line, but we're kind of different still. Well, I no,
4: I think
0: I th- I still think it's kind of weirdly. We've also had the same argument, and I'm sorry, Tim. I feel like you're really bored. We've no, also no, no. we've had the same argument among the lines of like, uh, I know that you are of the mind that it is possible to be objective with movie criticism, whereas I feel like that is impossible for everybody. Like you are. And I think the function of movie criticism is that you have a personality that some things bounce off of and other things don't, and people come to you to hear what you think about movies. There's a reason Armand White has a career, and Devin Faraci has a career, and David Chen and everybody else. They, they all have careers because they're different people that, are res- that they resonate with. Sure. And part of that is my coloring and opinion on these, on, on these movies and the, the baggage that I bring to them. So that's kind of, and I I think for this movie, the baggage that I have is that I love Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. I think it is the quintessential detective story in a lot of ways. And when I come to the nice guys and I know that this director has given me something as good as Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang before, and and I see this movie do things worse than that old movie has, it kind of makes me be like, well, I don't know. I mean, and it, was, it makes me sound like I hated this movie. I didn't. I yeah, enjoyed no, I, it quite just, a bit.
2: Because I brought it up. I mean, I kind of said the same thing you did. Yeah. And um, I really want to watch it again yeah. because I want to divorce myself as much as possible from that because it reminds me of. I was going to compare it to like Beck and um, 2002 Beck release. I should leave the time out of it, because that's going to go down a different <laughs> But he released Sea Change, and Sea Change is very kind of mellow, dour, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And then in, later on, he released um, Morning Phase, which is kind of this, everybody called it like a sequel to Sea Change. Mm-hmm. And because it was still kind of the same type of music, um, it wasn't the same album, but it was the same type of music, I couldn't help but compare the two. Yeah. Because it was done by an artist, who, and it, that's the way Shane Black, the two movies, I associate them in my head because they're both detective stories written by Shane Black, and they both kind of feature two main male characters. One of them is an outsider, the other one is a private yep. investigator. There are similarities, definitely, yeah. in the characters with it. So, i I really want to watch it because I really, really liked it. Yeah, but I need I really want to divorce myself as much as possible from that in my head.
0: And but. I think that's I think that's something everybody should try to do. But I feel as though that's kind of Futile, but
2: right.
1: Hmm. I mean, I think Tim, you pretty much just described most of Shane Black's movies that he's been no, involved yeah. in in some way. I mean, you're kind of well. That's in, but you I know mean, what I mean.
2: Then again, that is the thing. That's why you go to. I mean, that's why you listen to a Prince album. That's why you. I mean, you go there because he has a certain way of writing and a certain yeah certain character set that he uses. So, but no, I don't think Lethal Weapons like that at all. Um. They're both detectives in that. <laughs> I was thinking more of, I was comparing more of Russell Crowe's character to Robert Downey's character in the original. Yeah. He's someone that's brought into a different world, yep. the world that Val Kilmer Instead had.
0: of being the hired muscle, mm-hmm. he's getting into the private eye, which is right. Gabe Harry's the But you know what? Eye.
2: Last Boy Scout's kind of like that. Yeah. Now that I don't think about it. I
4: don't so, know. So,
0: anyway.
1: I, I just I, I just don't think it's fair to compare the two that much. That's that's I guess where I stand. And I th- I, I, I see I guess I see what you're both saying. Yeah, and like, I don't get it is it's either. It's kind of hard not to, but I'm doing it. I, uh, yeah,
0: I, I agree. I agree that I don't think it's fair, mm-hmm. but it's hard for me to overlook it. Hmm. So, fair enough. All right. So into the actual movie again. <laughs> Sorry for that detour. Um, We've had worse detours on this.
2: Yeah, that's shit. true. This episode. Yeah, I was gonna say
1: <laughs> that was just a long one. That was that was that was starting to flirt with the heated territory. I'm glad we're all mature enough now, where we just go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll that s- almost
1: that almost that could this could go pain again. real real quick. <laughs> We can take it there. Hopefully not. That's all right. It's really hot in this room. so Yeah, it is. So that, that'll, that'll
0: help it. But
1: um, The heat of the battle. Really the quick.
0: The synopsis is a mis- mismatched pair of private eyes investigate the apparent suicide of a fading porn star in the 1970s Los Angeles. I, for some reason, didn't draw the dot that it was a suicide. And for some reason, I wasn't thinking... Because Ryan Gosling realizes that it's not Misty Mountains and that it's actually this other girl... Mm-hmm. I for some reason didn't think that was what they were investigating. So that's why I said that comment about the synopsis.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's kind of one of those things where the audience knows more than like I think every other character yeah. in the movie says, yeah, she killed herself. Or she or she acts maybe not suicide, but maybe like accident. Like right. she drove off a cliff. But I don't think really that many of the civilians in the movie thought it was foul play. Right. Yes. I really love that the the opening scene never in any way is related to the rest of the movie like nobody interviews that kid or anything nobody ever finds out that that kid that literally like a massive clue her final words yeah which initially was just the most hilarious sentence and i just thought oh yeah. man this is great <laughs> this is so this is so pulpy it's great yeah and uh then it's it's a huge clue but yeah. it never comes into play i that think that's uh-huh great moment in the movie mm-hmm. for the audience member alone oh, yeah.
0: is, is
1: is very that's beautiful great uh, I forgot to praise the third act of this movie because it's so good. Mm-hmm. And l- movies lately, the, the third act seems to be the thing that's really falling apart. Uh, I guess second acts are, are a little difficult too. That's where you got to kind of slow it down and maybe re re reconfigure the chess pieces and figure out where things are going. But the third acts in a lot of movies lately, especially. I know this isn't a big summer movie, but they they just seem to be kind of... Even when they're good, they're just kind of like good. Mm -hmm. Like Deadpool's third act was good, but overall I was kind of like, well, that was pretty boilerplate. It was just executed well, I guess. This movie's third act is insane. It's this crazy balancing, juggling act of like all these different characters all over the place in this hotel complex with all these different actions going on at the same time. and. All around this one film spool, flying through the air and Mm -hmm. bouncing off of shit and being shot and thrown, like it's awesome.
2: The Ryan Gosling like Looney Tunes sequence where he keeps getting hit by (laughs) cars and like falling over, yeah, it's great. I was having such a
1: great time, and I was like, here is Gosling trying to dodge these guys. Meanwhile, Russell Crowe's having like the boss fight with Matt Bomer on the (laughs) roof and the little girls involved. Oh, Matt Bomer's sweet. He's so sweet. (laughs) He's really good. He's I, so- I totally forgot he was in it, even though his name was at the beginning. And yeah. Kim actually said the same thing. She goes, I love him. He's great in Glee. And she says, he's, <laughs> I saw his name. And then I was like, where is he? Did we miss him? Was he just in the background somewhere? And I completely forgot until that door opened. And I was like, and you sent the character poster like two weeks ago. Yeah. And I was like, look at Matt Bomer's sweet mole. Yeah. And then I totally forgot who he was, who, who could be the hitman. It was just totally like yeah. up in the air. And he was awesome. Yeah, they, they were they were all great.
0: He's so, like, very weirdly looking. Like, to me, it, he almost doesn't fit in the movie. Yeah. The way that he dresses and the look of His him weird, hair, his He's weird like, hair. Yeah. He's like other, it's like very strange. Yeah. He's super so, 70s out. Like, that was kind of, like, a really cool, that had a cool effect to me. I, I don't know if that was intentional at all. I don't have the intelligence to, like, really understand what I was seeing there. But
2: <laughs> The part where he comes across the, uh, oh, the
0: yeah. girl through yep, yep, happenstance. Yeah. <laughs> Oh he
2: just
1: go, what does he just say? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That was wow. my favorite part of this movie, actually. Yeah.
2: Well, other than I loved I loved the end when, yeah. when Russell Crowe becomes an alcoholic again. Yeah. Like it's so bleak. <laughs> it's so oh my god, it's it's Russell Crowe's arc in this is so good because it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like, Rever- reverse arc. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, right. Uh his descent. Um But I loved all there's a lot of like happenstance and coincidence in this movie. Like mm-hmm. things just kind of happen. And like you just you just go with it. Yeah. Like, I mean, because things happen.
0: <laughs> I mean. It's kind of Coen Brothers in that way, yep. very much about like things have the chips fall where they may, basically like right. that. Especially him coming across her that way. Yeah, it's it almost has like slight a, echoes of that's uh, where the Coen Brothers movie would have
1: ended. Guy Ritchie, he her, some right guy there. Ritchie stuff too. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of happenstance working out in mm-hmm. the favor of some character.
0: Yeah. Uh, what I,
1: this movie had uh, just just Shane Black man just. Slamming the auto industry in Detroit, like it made Detroit (laughs) out to be a bunch of criminals again, and I was kind of like, oh man, yeah.
0: I
2: thought it was well, yeah, totally in Detroit too. But um, I thought he was, I thought he was taking down pretty much anybody. Well, that's
0: it's it's true. It's very broadly applicable to any kind of like
1: lobbyist relationship, and it's just interesting that the that he that was he chose to be the face of kind of what he was going after, and especially when. And in, in this area, people are very sensitive about automotive stuff. Yeah. And uh, the, the the automotive industry was so for so long praised as a thing that kept the nation alive. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see characters that say like, it didn't really raise that question of like, just because some bad things are happening, is it the greater good? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Which would have been kind of an interesting thing for a character to talk about. Maybe that would have been a little more juice out of Kim Basinger to kind yep. of say like, mm-hmm. do you know? Do you have any idea how many jobs are industry? You know, is it worth taking down that, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. Because that's always a great moral conflict in movies like this. When a character has a piece of information, say, is it worth tearing down the whole machine? How many people's lives am I going to destroy in the process? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, think about what in this area, what the, the, the bankruptcy of the big three did in this Absolutely. area. I mean, devastated Metro Detroit and it's in the news and stuff and i'm sure for for listeners who are spread out elsewhere in the united states and probably even in the world you probably i'm sure you remember and it's kind of i'm sure it's kind of funny from afar and even a way, in a way here some people were that weren't that affected by it were kind of like oh man our city there it goes again but i mean shit it was devastating you know? yeah devastating but
0: in a way it's almost kind of like if you're gonna do a movie in the 70s what other industry
1: is that big no, it's and yeah, that's totally so that's fair. No, I get like, it. I get no, it for sure. Yeah. It makes sense. Even if uh yeah, I, I I agree. You can't really you could like kinda go after tobacco, I yeah, guess. That, tobacco that was the only other
0: one that I thought about.
1: But, maybe uh oil. But yeah. those those have been hit so many times before, I'm sure Shane Black was thinking, like, who else can I go after? Yeah. Plus the the auto show is a thing that does travel around. Like it was a clever it was definitely clever. Yeah. It's just a little sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> But it was definitely a great. A There's great, that
0: Midwest film there. There it is. Yeah. That's
1: our yep. spin. That's our spin. No yeah. one else can take that. Nope. Uh, yeah, and then having like the, all the idea of the, the porno playing at the auto show in the '70s <laughs> was really funny. Like I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. Yeah, it was hilarious. I love, love, love the use of just the word porno because you don't hear that anymore. It's really funny. It's just (laughs) porn. And so porno was just every time Ryan Gosling said, so in the porno movie, I was just laughing so hard. I was like, this is so great. And then the girl is constantly defending it. No, it's an experimental film. Okay. So when you guys were filming the porno movie, (laughs) that was so good. I liked the
0: physical comedy of Ryan Gosling in this movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like he doesn't get to do that much. Particularly, I'm thinking of him rolling down the hill that after, was awesome. after played, getting shot at by the woman. But then also, uh, as an adjoinder to that scene, him like sitting at the base of the tree, lighting the, the match or his lighter or whatever, yeah. and it giving you that glimpse of Sid Shattuck I remember the Goonies for some reason. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, it was, was good, yeah. it's very interesting and, and cool reveal to it. Because you get the audience gets to realize it just like a second before he does, mm-hmm. basically, and then he lights it another time, and then he sees it, and it was a very interesting little. The whole party scene
1: thing. was really good. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I don't have much else to add. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a lot of what this it just kind of feels like a love letter to the like lower middle class of that time. Yeah. I remember I have a lot of family that work in the uh, auto industry. And I remember being a kid and like mm-hmm. the stuff they used to bitch about was like stuff in this movie. <laughs> so yeah, so it was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can tell. And um, no, it's great.
1: The thing I was gonna say about the cast, if they had cast somebody other than Kim Basinger, oh, yeah. Thing about Kim Basinger is like she's so stone serious, like as an actress, mm-hmm. and it, I think in most things, and her the way she plays the character. And just right off the bat, I was like, "Okay, she's a bad guy." Like, I I didn't even for a second think like she's she's innocent. And the characters, whether they're just dumbasses or they just don't care, I don't know. They're kind of like, "Oh, okay." Like, uh, I think Ryan Gosling probably sees a payday, yeah, and Russell Crowe sees like a damsel in distress.
0: I think he's just too dumb.
1: I think he wants. I think he thinks women. For the most part, are somewhat y- yeah. inherently. He's kind of a gentleman. The, yeah. yeah,
2: I was gonna say there and there is a sweetness to Russell Crowe yeah. character where even he tries he was, to he, find he, the good even in even though he everybody. was betrayed by his wife. <laughs> 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 that scene is really funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: The whole Russell the the the, the scene with Russell Crowe and Keith David and Blueface in his apartment is yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Like that was really, really, really good. I was like, This is fucking cool. It doesn't make any sense, but it's great. Uh, I love where he lives too. Of the, oh, of the that, comedy that. club yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just so sad to think he's up there by himself listening to people laugh downstairs <laughs> and he's just by himself it was like one of those josh brolin exercise things from the goonies <laughs> another goonies reference for you um, but yeah kim basinger i just right off the bat i was kind of like okay she's too icy and like mm-hmm. too important clearly her position is one that she would sacrifice anything to keep her job i think may- maybe just her being playing it a little bit differently or like having somebody else that i took a little less seriously might have been a little bit better. Somebody who seemed like more of an airhead or couldn't be that scheming. But as soon as she walks on screen, you're just like, oh, yeah, there she is. Like She's yeah. got that presence.
2: No, I like... I mean, I like the stuff. It's weird. I like the character thematically. I like that it was... I mean, basically saying like, none of these systems are going to work because the people in charge of it are human beings who are petty and stupid and selfish. Um, I mean, so best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Yeah,
1: that final scene where they're sitting. Yep. That was really good.
2: And I liked it. I just she wasn't there for some reason for me yeah. and uh no,
0: and it might it might simply have to do with like you said maybe the the movie just needed a few more minutes in the oven maybe yeah. eventually he could have gotten to that place where she gets a little bit more motivation in the script and and mm-hmm. it, she gets a little bit more to do with it but also maybe it would have been better if somebody
1: else if they had maybe introduced her earlier in the movie as yeah. just another player because her her arrival is kind of like spurs things on to kind of almost the second half of the movie and you're kind of like okay who's this but i understand the trail of breadcrumbs can't just immediately you find a huge pile of breadcrumbs (laughs) and you got to sort through it you've got to you've got to follow it along so i it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't i don't think it was it was awful it didn't break the movie by any
2: means no yeah
0: all right any final thoughts go see it yeah please do
2: yep if you're this far and though so he probably Yeah, listening. yeah. So. hope he did. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> right.
0: Um, although I've
2: listened to stuff I haven't seen. Oh, the
0: <laughs> Yeah, John John might have listened to this and, and yeah. the
1: uh the introduction to John Boy without even seeing him, just a dude with his throat freshly cut <laughs> yeah. and hearing gunshots down the hall and a dude flying out of the elevator. I was like, Oh my god, that this is scene great. was awesome. They yeah, just, was, I love how these guys are just like total cowards most of the time <laughs> and they step back into the elevator and just let it close and listen to the music as a dude flies by. Like I was like, Oh, this is really What's good. a
0: bummer is that that's in the trailer? Is it? Like that entire sequence. Not entire sequence, but that.
2: Which trailer? Because I stopped watching. I think it was trailer one. two. Okay, I, I stopped it watching after two. the first one. Yeah, because I went, Okay, I've seen a lot. Of, but like, I think I, I'm gonna see this. I think
0: I watched the first one. and was like, Oh, I've already seen this. And then I ended up seeing the second one. And there were little things here and there that they also showed the fly sitting in the back of the car. I was like, Oh, they're gonna be on drugs at some point. And then it ended up being him. Oh my falling God! Asleep.
1: The way the movie totally tricked me too into thinking Russell Crowe did have that holdout pistol. God, that was, good. <laughs> that was that so was funny because it, it did fool me too. I was kind of yeah. like, Yeah, where the fuck's his gun? And then he's like, What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) that was really good that was really good it totally totally got me too it was pretty clever yeah just plant that idea in your head that it was there Mm -hmm. yeah that's really really good
0: all right feedback at midwestfilmlords.com. let us know what you think of the nice guys or willie and tim's top 10 horrors horror movies of the 2010s yeah any of that good stuff uh write to us there we're also at mfn podcast on instagram and twitter uh com has all previous 179 plus bonus episodes with full show notes so you can skip over the spoilitarian things you don't want to hear uh com shop there part of the money you spend will come back to us to no additional cost to yourself uh make sure that if you watch amc's preacher first of all you should go and watch it and then come and subscribe to gone to texas on itunes or your favorite podcatcher it's a really good logo uh, too, yeah i like it quite a bit uh uh John, That that was Mr. John, the, the John of the Midwest Game okay, News podcast, yeah. so shout out to John there. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, next week, I'm not quite sure what's coming out, what X-Men, we're doing right? here. Yeah, Thank I you. suppose it is X-Men, isn't it? So we will be talking about X-Men Apocalypse. That one just snuck up on me. I know. It just kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, it's getting mixed reviews at the moment.
2: I haven't read any reviews for it.
0: I haven't read any reviews. I've just seen, like, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, and it's kind of in the middle-ish. Okay. So, uh, we'll see how it is. But uh, that's about it.
2: Am I excited for it? I don't know.
0: Mm.
2: You know. Weirdly in the middle. Like, it could go either way.
1: Yeah. Robert Davy would have fit in really well in The Nice Guys. Oh, my
2: God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just on my mind, because you're talking about the Goonies. It would have been
2: perfect. Robert Davi. Um, if you can find him singing Sinatra anywhere, please do. Uh, another <laughs>
1: guy who does it all for the music. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sing, all
2: right. Singing other people's music. <laughs> Sinatras. Oh my God! Someone I can't, someone went to a Robert Davi concert and like live tweeted it. I'm like, this sounds so good. That's beautiful. <laughs> he just performs in Vegas all the time. He sings
1: a lot of opera in the Coonies. It's pretty interesting. Does
2: he? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right.
1: <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Kylo, <laughs> X Y, go watch a movie.